Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. All right, my dear sisters, uh, it's wonderful and just so humbling to be with you to celebrate Mass. I was, uh, I was just here, I think a week ago, actually, at this retreat house. We brought our, our faculty and staff from Sacred Heart here for their opening school year retreat. Uh, it was excellent. It was great. Before I say anything else, uh, before I get into the, the scriptures for tonight, I just want to say um, there's, there's something so awesome as a priest, whenever I get to celebrate mass or do ministry, like just for women, it's so rare. Like it's just so rare. It's, I mean, it's always a mixed crowd, right? But it, uh, it just reminds me so, so, so clearly of like who I am. And, uh, and like in this group in particular, just being such a um, beautiful representation of the bride. Like I love, I just love it. I just love it. I'm so grateful. So it, uh, it just puts my heart in the right posture, right posture. So and this community um, is such a sign of the resurrection also, right? Such a sign of the resurrection in the diocese. I was, uh, I've been, I'm always reading JP2's catechesis, Theology of the Body. Um, I came across this one, this line the other day that just, I'm just like, it's like a piece of gum that I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm just chewing on it. There's just so much good flavor in it. He says this, this is uh, from uh, his 117th address. The sacraments infuse holiness into the terrain of man's humanity. They penetrate the soul and body with the power of holiness. Like we could, we could uh, just like scrap everything and just like, let's just sit with that for like, I don't know, like three hours. Um, But the imagery, the image, of course, I have, I've had garden imagery in my mind thinking about you as a community, but of course you got Jesus, the gardener, the bridegroom, in the resurrection, appearing to Mary Magdalene, and she thinks he's the gardener, and she's right, and she's right, right? Gardening her anew. And um, we are not, as Martin Luther said, we're not these dung heaps covered in snow, we're compost piles, right? Rich, fertile soil, places where the word wants to penetrate and place the seed uh, to transform and bring life, right? That's the whole idea, that the most... The, the paradox of all of it, of course, right, is that the most fertile places in us um, are the places of lack. They're the places of our wounds, the places of our poverty. Like where the rot is, that's where he wants to grow the garden, right? That's how it, that's how it works, both in nature and in our hearts. That's how it works. Um, it's just very powerful. So that's where, that's where he wants the roses to bloom, all right, so thank you right, for being signs of that resurrection, being signs of that power. So, all right, let's dive into these scriptures because there's a lot that the church gave us uh, for this 22nd Sunday. Let's just start with the psalm that we heard beautifully proclaimed. This psalm response, which was this. God, in your goodness, you have made a home for the poor. God, in your goodness, you have made a home for the poor. It's hard to read the Gospels and miss the significance of the poor, the significance of poverty. It's hard to, to not notice that Jesus has a real predilection, a real gravitation towards the poor, the downtrodden, the orphans, the widows. And it's not just simply about their economic status. It's about what poverty like symbolizes, that it symbolizes 
deeper mystical realities. It's, it's iconic, right? It's an icon of our hearts. It's, it's an icon of our status as creatures that we are through and through utterly poor before the greatness and riches of God. We are utterly dependent upon him. That's our status in every conceivable way as creatures. And you, as women in particular, embody that as bride, that you stand before the generosity of the bridegroom saying, all I have to offer is an empty space to be filled, right? That is all of humanity before the bridegroom. That's all of humanity before the generosity of the father, that we have, we have nothing to contribute other than fiat mihi, you know, be it done unto me according to thy word. Act on me. I have nothing to contribute, right? So that's the first sense, I guess, of poverty that, that is really important to reflect on. But it goes deeper, right? Because there are, there are these very little and very poor parts of our hearts, very poor parts of our hearts that are crying out for love, crying out for attention, crying out to be seen and noticed and I was trying to get my thoughts together on this and this is one of those times where I'm like, I hope this is going to come out fine because like this is something that I'm like still personally just like walking with, appropriating and just, you know, it's, it's like, all right, well, just got to start sharing what you're, what you're given. So here we go. So this is kind of what I've been meditating on and reflecting on in my own journey for the last couple months and years, right? That there's these very poor little parts of our hearts that, uh, that are desperately crying out for attention, for love, for affection and that, I think, is the deeper significance of the gospel that we just heard, Jesus dining with this leading Pharisee. Again, right here, just to remind us of that context, he's invited to the home of one of the leading Pharisees, not just a Pharisee, but Luke says he's a leading Pharisee. So, like, who is this guy? I mean, he's, he's, he's in the upper echelons of Jewish religious um, culture and, and that whole milieu, right? So, if you've seen the Chosen series, one of you, someone had a Chosen, did you get a Chosen shirt on? Yes, there's some Chosen shirts here. Okay, if you've seen the Chosen series, picture that like in the first season, the whole, the, whole, the, juxtaposition, the juxtaposition between the Shabbat dinner that Nicodemus and his wife are throwing and the Shabbat dinner that Mary Magdalene is like scraping together, little stone soup Shabbat, right, for her friends. And who does Jesus go to, right? He goes to Mary Magdalene's Shabbat, right? But Nicodemus' Shabbat, there's like, it's fine china, and we're figuring out which place settings, and do we want this color tablecloth? And, you know, they got the fine candles. It's not, it's like beeswax candles. It's not the, you know, stinky, fat tallow candles, right? So it's very fine, very nice, right? So uh, you've got all these things going on, and we're told that these guests who are at this, at this meal, they are watching Jesus carefully, which is it's so ironic, right? Beautiful, dramatic irony, because who's really watching who, right? He's, like, they're observing him, but he's observing them, right? That's how this is actually working. And this is what he sees. He sees how they're all trying to situate themselves to get into the seats of honor, you know, that in... I guess it was more pronounced in first century Jewish culture, but there was very distinguished and identifiable places of, of honor, right? Ranking who sits where within a, um, a cultural setting. And we all kind of know that. We feel that too, right? You go to a wedding reception, you're like, I'm at table two. Oh my gosh. Versus like, I'm at table like 38 in the corner with like all the drunk atheist cousins, right? Like, <laughs> it's usually where the family puts me as the priest at the wedding receptions. <laughs> Uh, gee, they're like, could you please convert Uncle Ed? I'm like, 
No. <laughs> Bring more wine to my table. Okay. So, so here's Jesus. He's watching all of this and try and enter into this with me because this is, this was the subtle move that the Holy Spirit just kind of sidestepped with me when I was praying with this. He's not sitting back sort of dispassionately like stroking his Jesus beard, watching all this, thinking like, like you stupid mortals. Like that's not him, right? We all know that's not his heart. He's moved. He's moved with compassion watching them play this very sad game. And it's not because it's just simply a sad game. He's moved with compassion because he sees how desperately they're trying to make up for that very little part in their heart that just wants to be loved, that just wants to be seen, that just wants to be noticed. Like he just see, like he sees the little boy and he sees the little girl. And he just sees how they're just playing the game. He sees with love and tenderness their littleness, their poverty, this the hidden, deeper dynamics of their hearts, he just sees it. Just like he sees it in us, right? He sees it. He's like, I see what you're doing. It's not like, I see what you're doing. It's, I see, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I see your heart. I see those little parts that long to be loved, that long to be seen, that long to be noticed and approved of and celebrated and honored. And like, I see you. Like, and he, he, he sees the pride that's motivating all of this. And, and of course, he, he's, he hates the pride, but he doesn't hate the pride just because pride is like, ugh, pride, awful, disgusting, deadly sin. Like, pride's just so much more complex than that. He hates pride because pride is like a bully. Like, pride says, like, pride shows up in our lives. Pride shows up like this bully who says to those little parts of our hearts, those weakest parts, those vulnerable parts, those parts of our hearts that, that want to be loved, pride shows up and says, you, little one, little part, you can't be loved because you're little and you're weak and you're needy and you're vulnerable. You can't be loved. You aren't worth honoring. So pride shows up and says, we're going to take care of this. We're going to puff out our chest. We're going to make ourselves more lovable. We're going to make ourselves more worthy of honor. Like pride condemns the poor little parts of our hearts and it projects out into the world like this alternate version of ourselves that we think is certainly more lovable and certainly more likable and desirable. That's what it does. It, it condemns and rejects the little part of our hearts, the little parts of our hearts, and it projects out into the world this masked version that's just that we think will be more honored, more loved, more praised, all of that, more noticed. And so just like these dinner guests, like we are so often, despite our best efforts, we are so often jockeying for places of honor, places of just like, please notice me, please affirm me, please bless me, please, all of those things. We exalt ourselves, we lift ourselves up. And this is why this is problematic. Because when we lift ourselves up, in that way, like we are moving in a direction that's opposite of where Jesus is, right? Like we put ourselves in a place where he's not. In other words, uh, he has gone and he always goes to the lowest place. That's what, that's what he does, right? The incarnation is this, the high dive of the logos into the depths of nothingness. 
right? From the embrace of the bosom of the Father, just like swan dives down into next to nothingness. He emptied himself, St. Paul says. He goes down, right? He goes down into our nature. He goes down into our humanity. He goes submitting himself to the laws that he created, that he breathed into being. He's like, I'll be subject to gravity. I'll be subject to thermodynamics and hunger and thirst and I'll be subject to all of that. He goes down and then he lets himself be subject to the authority of his parents and subject to a puppet government and subject to the emperor of Rome and subject to this and subject to that. He goes down. He descends. But then even more than that, like, I mean, on the cross, right? He's, his heart is pierced and outflows the font of the church's life, outflows mercy. And if you've ever been to... Um, the T.O.R. Sisters in near Steubenville, the T.O.R. Sisters' mother house there, they got this stunning image in their chapel of the crucifix. And like, there's this rushing river flowing out of Jesus' side that comes down past Mary, who's like standing there like this, beautifully open. But it comes down rushing like this. It gets wider and wider. It comes behind the tabernacle, down the floor, through the altar, out the front door. It is we should do retreat there next year. Just saying. Just, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you there. It's, it's worth it. Um, it is stunning. It is so stunning. But that's, that's, the, that's his love, right? It's, it's the, the, the love of the Trinity has breached the dam. Like it's, it's overcome the dike. It is now rushing down. And like, like a river, it's looking for the lowest places. Rivers don't flow uphill, right? They, it's looking for the lowest places. That's what mercy's doing. Mercy... It's always looking for the lowest place in us. So he says, Jesus says, go to the lowest place. Go to the lowest place. Where? In your heart. Like that's where he is. That's where he's gone. Like that's where he waits to encounter us over and over and over again. Like he sat by the well waiting for the Samaritan woman. Like he went there. He went to the place like that is her lowest place. It's the place that just unmasked her shame and all of her brokenness and all of the ways that she was trying to fill her heart with lover after lover. And he just went to the well and sat there and waited. Like he's just waiting at all of our feudal wells. He's waiting at all of our lowest places. That's where he's gone because he is merciful love, because he wants to embrace us in our deepest poverty. Like in the place where we are most unimpressive, right? Oh my gosh, this is just like where my heart's at today. Just like total vulnerability, total transparency. Like he's just been telling me all day, like I'm, that's where I'm at. Because he wants to embrace us at the place where where we're least impressive so that we can be overwhelmed by a love that's like, why would you love me? It's like, because I do. <laughs> that's like that intimacy. That's what gives birth to real humility. When we're loved and embraced at a place where we ought not, at least we think, where we ought not be embraced, that gives birth to this like unbelievable confidence in a love that, that nothing else compares to. And I would imagine that you're all here because you, at least in some measure, have embraced that or have experienced that or have tasted that. Like humility, it's, it's this disposition of the heart 
in which we're just like, just so cozy and content to be lost in his love. Like, I don't need, I don't need other eyes to be upon me. I don't need to be jockeying for power. If I'm at the lowest place or the highest place, that doesn't matter because do you know that I'm loved by Jesus? <laughs> like, I don't care if, I, if I'm invited, you know, I almost said the White House and I did not, I don't mean that. <laughs> I need a different example. Uh, if I get invited to someone really awesome, let's just go with that. It doesn't matter if I get invited to some billionaire's house or if I am, again, at table 39 in the corner with drunk Uncle Ed. Uh, like, none of that can touch the fact that I'm fine. Like, my little ego, those little parts that are, like, frantic and scurrying and looking for love, like, there's, there's more than enough love. I'm good because I've been loved right there by Jesus. So, friends, my dear sisters, we're at the banquet. We've been invited to a wedding feast. That's what the Mass is, right? So here's the question, right? Which parts of our hearts are activated right now? Is it the striving pride part that's saying, please, Jesus, notice how like, impressive I am. I prayed a thousand rosaries for you today. I've been fasting for a month. I've held my breath for five hours. I don't know. <laughs> or is it the, the, the parts of our hearts that are crippled and blind and sick and poor? Like when Jesus says, like when you have a banquet, invite those ones. So like that, that's, that's what he's calling out right now. Like he's looking at your heart and my heart. He's saying, hey, those like little crippled, crippled ones, poor ones, broken ones, vulnerable ones, unimpressive ones. I'm calling you to the banquet. That's who he's inviting to this. Oh, man. That's the place where the bridegroom wants to go. My dear sisters, right? Jesus sees and he knows and he loves your hearts. The most fertile places in you are those little places, those poor places, not the big impressive places. The places where he can be everything, where he can embrace us. Let us just take a few moments. Let's just let our hearts get in touch with those little, little places, those poor places. And uh, maybe we might even give them permission to come out from hiding. Say <laughs> so it's okay to be here because you're about to be loved. Amen.